0: Hello, my Fight Fan friends. Support for the Fitz Nation podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. But if you're a UFC fan, I don't have to tell you that. They've been a great partner with the UFC for years, and I'm thrilled they wanted to support the Fitz Nation podcast as well. Manscaped's products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Their performance package is the ultimate in men's hygiene. Join more than 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code FITS20. That's at manscaped.com. Use the promo code FITS20, F I T Z 20. And that'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Now, I mean, just a quick note. We've all kind of brought the razor down there, and you just want to neaten things up a little bit. And you either cut yourself or, you know, you look like you got a bad haircut if you catch my drift with bald spots. That does not happen with the manscaped performance package 4.0. They sent it to me and it is a total game changer. You got the lawnmower 4.0. That's the trimmer. You got the weed whacker for those ear and nose hairs. I'm not to the ear hairs yet. I'm at the nose hairs though. Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver, Toner. I mean, they got everything that you need and more. Trust me, you are going to want to get this package. And the great news is it's a great deal. 20% off, free shipping. Promo code FITS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code FITS20. Unlock your confidence. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now it's time for our episode of FITS Nation. FITS Nation, let's go. I always had to be mega in the
1: zone, ready to go out there on my shield. Be in the question and don't look for the answer because the answer is the end. Think about who I'm fighting for. Fight for something greater. At the end of the day, you got to believe in yourself. It's time for the Fist Nation podcast with your host, Brendan Fitzgerald.
0: Here we go. We got Elliot Marshall on the program. Elliot, it is great to have you finally. I know.
1: We finally made it happen, man. Thanks for making it <laughs> for. When,
0: uh, so I want to tell you a story. We connected what uh, it was like maybe two months ago when Drew. Drew was fighting in Vegas. Drew Dober had that crazy win over Terence McKinney.
1: Was it that one, or was it the one before that with Islam?
0: No, I, I, it was that one. Islam one. I didn't call. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then also, I don't know if I told you this that day when I was like, "Hey, we need to do a podcast." Uh, Elliot Marshall's podcast, "The Gospel of Fire," right?
1: Yes, the Gospel yeah. of Fire. Yep.
0: and I'm glad to return the favor if you'll have me. Yes, but please. um, so a couple of years ago, UFC Liverpool. 2018 okay neil magny neil Neil magny was on that card for you yep and um i just remember i was still very new to the job calling ufc okay i was like four or five months in but i remember being on a shuttle to the airport and i'm still kind of the new guy and like there's only a few of us And, and then you and john crouch
1: oh yes
0: and you and john crouch were having this detailed conversation about your fighters and jujitsu and competing and all of the things that go with having a gym being a coach all this stuff and i was kind of eavesdropping just like i wish i like further down the line like nowadays i'd be right in that conversation i'd be listening in i'd be really more absorbing things okay as you know in my role but um then i was just like oh that was elliot marshall and then you know, John, I knew just a little bit at that point, but
1: yeah, man, that man, <laughs> I remember that conversation because because
0: right, I remember it was a good conversation. Yes. I was like, "Oh, this guy Elliot's got—he's a thoughtful dude who's kind of going, do, you know, talking about more than travel and the weather and whatever." You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, um, yeah, man, because there's life after fighting, mm-hmm. and after you've coached for a while. So, I mean, for me, after I fought for a while, and then I've coached for a while and now you're you're trying to do uh other things with your life as well it can be uh it can be a lot you know it can be a yeah. lot and it was it was nice to reminisce with John who's another OG homie you know came from the jiu-jitsu scene uh worked his way up and and man we were just that was a, like i as you brought it up i think so i did not know you at this time so uh, right uh, as you bring that conversation up, I, I greatly remember that conversation on the way. We were we were heading to the airport to head back to the United States from the Liverpool event.
0: Yes, exactly right. Yep. Yeah. After after the weekend that was. Um, so let's get into your story though. Mm-hmm. And obviously we'll dive deep into the jujitsu and UFC experience and the coaching. But early
1: life, yeah, what was it like for your East Coast guy? East Coast. Look, from uh, from my very young childhood, I didn't really know any different than any other child, right? Like, as as uh, if you are safe then uh, and have decent parents, as no child does. But as soon as I started to realize things, really, I would say, uh, when we moved into a new house, you know, we were having this house built in a new town, is when I got my first, let's say, taste of the world. And who I was as a human. Um, How old were you? I was eight. Okay. So I was eight years old. Um, my mom is the daughter of Holocaust survivors. And my dad is black. So uh, the black Jew combination. uh it really wasn't a thing in 1980 and especially the town that we were moving into. Um, And I know a lot these days, everyone is making a lot like everything's racism um, or everything's, you know, something Uh, look for me. It really was like, we pulled up to my house one day and the house was spray painted. Niger's go home with swastikas all over it. So uh, that, that became to me, it was really shown to me like, whoa, Elliot, you're a little different than everybody else because, huh. uh, I was, you know, and it was very difficult for me to fit in anywhere. Um, right. The, the only place that I really did fit in was my karate school, my martial arts school. So, uh, I really dug into that as a, as a really young child and, and really it's what, it's what made and saved my life as, as I, as I grew, you know, um, Yeah. I had no friends. This, this was my experience. This, as this other, you know, cause I wasn't anything. I, uh, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't white. I wasn't black. I wasn't Jewish. I wasn't uh Christian. I, I was something different than everybody else. And, uh, I, this town that we moved to, you know, the high school quarterback was going to be the high school quarterback because his daddy was, and his granddaddy was, and his big brother was. And Everybody just knew how this was going to go. So I, I grew up in one of those kind of towns.
0: So how does it work when that spray paint is on your house and then like <laughs> the neighbors, how, like how did the neighbor, was it a neighbor? Like, did you find yeah, out? Yeah, it was,
1: like, na- it was ki- neighbor kids. Yeah. Neighbor you know, kids. And then probably their parents might have even told them to do it.
0: Yeah. But so, was there any support from no. locals? And Like you guys no. were just totally
1: ostracized. None. We were, We were totally out. We were just... We were just this new family, man. We were just this new family that they did not want there. And it was pretty, and it was pretty obvious. Nobody helped come. Nobody helped us clean it. Uh, you know, my parents tried to hide it from me and my sister, obviously. Right. Cause we're still very, very young. Uh, and I probably didn't really, really, I probably didn't really take it in all the way until, uh, until I was older, it, mm-hmm. you know, like what, what's a Niger mom, you know, I probably hadn't heard that word yet. And what's, what's that. What's that thing that kind of looks like an X but it's a triangle? Uh, yeah. So you don't really know yet as a kid, but you know, as as you get older and start piecing things together, um, you know, what I knew was my mom and dad were very upset and 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 weren't happy. So uh and then you get like I said, you get older, you start piecing things together and, and you start to see why. So you didn't grow up Jewish? You know, did uh, you have a faith? I'm Jewish. uh i have have friends like that (laughs) yeah i don't practice anything uh but your family i hold the culture
0: they didn't seek community no no there
1: no i hold the culture in the sense of i feel a deep responsibility to my grandparents for surviving that holocaust uh so therefore uh i light candles Uh, i fast on yom kippur Mm -hmm. uh we we i'll make a nice dinner but i don't i don't believe in the in the religion itself let's say do you believe sense. in any religion no i believe yeah, you're just right i'm very uh i believe that there's got to be something greater than me yes you know, i'm I'm not stuck on on that that we as humans are the you know uh i'm not sure that it whatever that it is cares about me i, I had you know we'll get to it. i had a very very unique experience deep in my anxiety mm-hmm. um uh, there's something else with us, I, I believe. And, uh, that's, it's okay that we don't know what it is. Our our, our problem is, is we always want to know, right? Like We want the answers. We want it now and yada, yada. I'm just, I've just kind of become very, very okay with not knowing how to explain this spiritual thing, mm-hmm. uh, that I am so connected to. And I believe that that's okay. That's okay for me. You know, uh, now, what other people do, it, man. I hope that I hope it's okay for them. So, yeah. Uh, that 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 is how I see spirituality. So, back to
0: growing up as black family, Jewish family, yep. not welcomed anywhere. Right. Um, not only does that happen to you, but how does it make you into who you become? That's that's really the question yeah. I try to ask on this show. Is like a lot of people will stop at this happened to me, right? And it's like okay.
1: But no, we figure out how how did it help form who you so, became? It's very interesting because I've thought about this question a lot as well. And and, and, and you know, coming with during my struggle, like, man, what was this all for? But I believe that everything has to be for something. So, you know, I, I go through high school, nothing, no friend, you know, yada yada. It's it's awful for me. Did you and, did you have no friends? How like did you grow <laughs> up with no connections, no friends? So uh what are the best times of the day for kids in high school walking through the halls and eating lunch and stuff. Right. Yeah. Cause you get to hang with your homies. Those were the worst times of the day for me. Right. Because no one walked with me and I sat by myself at lunch. Like, like not even the losers talked to me. Right. So, uh, yeah, like, yeah. It, like it was terrible. It was, it was terrible, terrible. Uh, I did have martial arts though right? So I did have karate. This, this was my saving grace was karate. And, and here's, here's how we connect this whole, why did Elliot fight thing? Um, and, and I've just realized this recently in the last couple of years. So the guys that I was doing karate with in the mid to late nineties were at our, uh, national karate tournament. And my friend, John Hassett, who is now also a black belt in jujitsu and has his own school, uh, he dodges my sparring division because like back then, like, uh, like now in the UFC, like there's, there's no way Kane would fight DC, right? They were very adamant about that. Yeah. But, uh, in point sparring, you fought your friends all the time. Didn't matter. Right. In in competition. So, uh, he dodges it and I'm like, man, you're scared. You're chicken. I'm 17, 18 years old, wherever I was. He's like, yeah, you think so? Come to my house Friday night. I had no clue that he was doing this Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. So, uh, he beats my ass, <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh my god, I got to learn this." So I learned a little so bit. So you oh, were, you thought you were going over for karate, a little yes, point sparring, yes, and then he, yes. and
0: then he said, "Let's take it to the ground too." Let's or just did, fight. Let's mix no, it all he's up. like, "Let's just fight," let's just and I'm, fight. I'm like, "Fine, okay. let's just fight." You old twist man. You all up. <laughs> yeah, he twisted me in
1: knots. You know, twisting me in knots. And he was barely, he was barely a blue belt at this point. Yeah. So, um. So anyway, he then shows me a little bit, and I go back always, you know. Uh, always trying to be liked, you know, trying to be cool, you know, and this was over the summer. And then I, you know, I go back to high school my, for my senior year, um, a couple of things happened. I lost some baby fat, you know, like just, I was, I'm a late bloomer and everything. So like, I was a little leaner now. And, uh, I like, you know, I'm talking about it and these wrestlers who, you know, whatever, they're like, yeah, you, you think so? Let's go. Uh, and we didn't fight, but we grappled and i'd beat their ass <laughs> yeah. you know and in that moment i was like yo uh if i can beat people's ass i'll be popular and if people like me then i'll be safe in the world and then they won't spray paint my house and and all these other stories that i was told about when i was a kid right like when you would when i when you would go into my grandparents Uh, basement there was sugar from 1979 that you know there was nobody came in those house nobody came in the house nobody was allowed to see anything about our lives because they were so scared that hitler was coming again you know and this was and for me then the my house being spray painted and me being ostracized it was a it became a very real thing um but then i i beat these guys up and you know like you know tap them out and they were state champs Mm -hmm. so uh People started to like Elliot. People started to talk to Elliot. People, you know, like oh is that Elliot, how it
0: worked? Did, that's a, was it like a light switch?
1: It was, it was, it was like, it was like that for me. That's wild, you know? isn't it? It's but and then I didn't even I didn't even notice this, Bren, Brennan. uh like I didn't, I literally was like, okay, let's just I'm gonna fight in the UFC, is the very next thing that I said. What year is this? This is 1998. Mm, no, this is 97. So, the UFC this is, is five
0: years old and about to get banned in a lot of yes, places. Yes and, all that. yes. and you still, it was already on your radar, though, as somebody
1: Because my friend beat me up. I watched UFC one, two, and three because they were already done and out, right? Yeah. So, I went to the yeah. blockbuster. If you, if you know, some of you oh, young sure. kids might not sure. remember what blockbuster <laughs> is, you know, uh, and I rented them and I watched them and I was going to be Hoist Gracie.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I why just told everyone think, that.
0: Why do you think, uh, so you had friends at the karate school?
1: all older all just yeah. adults
0: so i was going to say like why do you think because you tried other sports you play other sports yeah, i tried basketball guy. yeah yeah, right yeah. right but ostracized there
1: a cup look i don't want to blame it just on the ostracized yeah uh i didn't understand what real hard work looked like for fizz you know um i would like i said i was a late bloomer so i was chubby uh but why do you think you connected so much with martial arts? Because I stuck with it. I stuck with it. And by the time I was thirteen, fourteen years old, I've been doing it since I was six. And I was very accepted. Yeah. It's something you were good at. I was good. I yeah. was like one of the highest ranking people we had at the school. So I was I was good, you know, and then I became the head instructor. So I I I had this level of Elliot is Elliot's life has purpose and meaning.
0: Right. So um, I just want to veer off course a little bit. I have a son who's about to turn seven. Okay. We live a nice life, right? Yeah. Uh, We live in a suburb. We're accepted. I have a good job, whatever. Uh, Why should I get him into jujitsu or martial arts? Okay. So how do you, how do you pitch that? Because I haven't yet, I I, I might've, and the pandemic kind of pushes it back a little bit and stuff, but now we're getting back to like, He's seven years old. He needs activities after school and whatever. What what you know what should I put him into? And like what's the pitch on Marshall?
1: I'm arts? gonna veer with you here. I'm I'm gonna veer a little bit too first, like a funny story. So uh <laughs> it was a couple months ago, a month ago, and I'm two months ago. I'm sitting at the World Championships and me, Amal, and Haja Gracie were friends. Well, you know, I know Haja, we're friends. Yeah. And he's the best to ever do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? He uh his last name is Gracie. Hodger Gracie. Hodge, how, yep. how old is he at this point? He's my age. We're both 40. Oh, okay. We both have a couple of kids, you know, but he's so. the guy. Look, yeah, he's the guy. He's retired now, right? Like maybe right. Gordon Ryan has surpassed him in no-gi, but Hajar did what Gordon's doing in both gi and no-gi. Right. So Hajar's the goat. Hajar is the goat. It's pretty agreed upon. And we're sitting there and we're talking about our kids. And I'm like, man, your kid's training these days. He goes, man, my kids tell me they hate jujitsu. jitsu And I was like, oh, thank fucking God, because mine too. Right. And you're like, I'm, but in, in, in my mind, like in in his mind too, they don't have anything in their life without jujitsu. If there wasn't for jujitsu, they would have nothing. Yeah. You know? So like this house we live in, guess what pays for it? Jitsu. Right. right. You know, these vacations, jujitsu. Yeah. So, um, so, it does, so
0: it doesn't mean everyone uh, loves love it. And like your kids uh, are naturals uh, in it or whatever.
1: No, yeah. no, it tries to be like, my less.
0: son, like, you know, we don't exactly put the U S some people put UFC on around their kids and no big deal. Mm -hmm. we kind of tend to stay away from it. Like I go to work. It's not like they're all watching my stuff and all that. So it's like, he, he's seen it a little bit, but like, he's not like asking, can we do jujitsu and all that other stuff? So I'm just like, I'm torn.
1: I think it's not, I it's, it's, I have rules for my, for my family. And rule number one is we have to do jujitsu. I'm struggling with my youngest right now. Yeah. um, Cause he just pushes back on everything. So I have him reading Jocko's book, way of the warrior kid. Mm -hmm. Um, the problem with my youngest yeah. is he's a freak athletically, so uh, he's very good at ball sports. So he gets things, he picks things up very quickly, and he becomes very good at them. Well, jujitsu is not like that at all. So he gets beat up. So this is the problem. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. But, but like, why is it, it?
0: So why is it so valuable? Even if you are living a nice life and you
1: don't need to, because it takes you your life, life. it takes your nice life away from you. Your nice life doesn't matter. You can come on. You step on that mat. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter what vacation you went, just went on. It doesn't matter how poor you are and how and how you have nowhere to live and you have to walk to the academy. None of that matters. The only thing that matters in jujitsu is your mat skills. That's literally it. Mm-hmm. So um, it teaches us there, there, there is no better translation, from my opinion, for, than the mat to your life. And you can literally take the lessons of the mat that it teaches you, how to stay in the moment, right? Like that, That's the number one lesson that the mat teaches you is how to be in a moment and pay attention to what's happening right now. So, And then you can just learn how to translate that into the other aspects of your life. How to take care of another human being while trying to beat them up, right? Because it's this duality. I need you and I'm trying to beat you. How do I handle defeat? How do I build back up after adversity, after losing? Can I learn to really and truly assess what I'm supposed to be doing, make adjustments, and move on? Can I critically think in a moment under pressure when the, when uh, my safety is uh, the consequence? Yeah. There's and a lot. Look, for kids, confidence building, self-defense, all these other very basic that we all uh, are very cliche-ish type things.
0: Right. It's always like, you don't know what situation you're going to be in, especially kids in school. You never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and s- if you can peacefully diffuse the situation, that's always going to help. You know,
1: my, my son asked me, we were, we were just on vacation. Um, and he was like, dad, don't you just like, doesn't everybody like find their own like thing that what that is jujitsu, like their equivalent thing. Cause they love basketball. My kids can ball a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Go check out my Instagram. I put out a really good, <laughs> I, I put out a really good reel of my yeah. kid playing basketball today. Um, so uh, he was like, don't you just need to find your own thing? I was like, yeah, man, you do definitely need to find your own thing. And your thing doesn't have to be jujitsu." I didn't say you had to be really good. I didn't say you had to be a champion. I didn't say anything. I just said you had to do it. And he goes, but why? And we had just got done telling this story. Um, we were, you know, because we were in Maui still. And when I think my son was young, or maybe even before he was born. Uh, my oldest my wife a lot of restaurants in maui they are like you wait in line you order and then you go sit down yeah you know but you cannot sit down and like reserve a table and then have somebody else in your party go order does that make sense
0: yeah it's like the tur- well my wife is from hawaii uh okay. north shore yep. of oahu but i've never been to maui but i get exactly what you're saying they do that a like, lot on maui yeah right? these tourist or places just like you can't it's right a come and go thing it's like a yes. car wash
1: yeah so i'm we order my wife goes to sit down you know and i'm like waiting for our drinks and this other person this other male comes over and he sits down uh, and he starts to like try to kick her out and she's like sir i'm i'm here you know and he's like well, well i'm i'm reserving this table and she's like look it says right there you can't reserve and, she, and he goes like and he says something like look bitch what are you going to do and she goes okay just hold on one sec my husband will be right out And as I walk out of the restaurant, my wife just goes, hey, Elliot, this guy over here is being an asshole. And as I walk towards him, I don't say a word. In the way that I walk through the world, I'm super more confident. I'm much more confident because I know I'll most likely be able to diffuse this situation without having to fight because I know I can fight. Yes. And that's a really big thing. And this guy just looked at me and got up and walked away, Yeah, you know, which was was the best case scenario, right? right? That was the best case scenario. But even if we did have to speak, I would speak in a way that was careful. Like I would be very uh, firm, but I would speak in a way that's careful because I know the consequence of fighting. Now, if that consequence did actually present itself, I would then know that I know how to handle myself and hopefully I don't get unlucky you know yeah. but one of the things that uh people really don't realize is the unluckiness of the world especially like when it comes to this like self defense thing man i'm doing everything i can not to get into a fight like everything because a little bit of unluck and and your life can get ruined
0: mhm agree and you never know how crazy the person is or whatever situation or who's with him or anything. who's with him? Anything. Look,
1: take all of that out. Take all of that out. do uh, you remember the movie Troy? Have you seen the movie Troy? With, I didn't see it. Is that the Brad Pitt one? That's the Brad Pitt one. Well, there's this part where he's in this battle and you know, uh, and the guy he's fighting happens to just trip on this little rock. Mm-hmm. And then he lets him up and he goes, I will not have my honor taken because you fell over a rock that little shit like that can happen. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you can like catch your toe on something because you're not fighting in the UFC with a cage and the mat is nice and there's a referee. And, yeah. Right, you know? So uh, fighting, learning to fight really has helped helps you uh, calm down everywhere else because you realize how dangerous it is.
0: Yeah. The martial artist code, I think I asked Uriah Hall about that and he was just like, yeah, he's just like you become the biggest badass in the room but because you are that you don't have to prove it to anybody you can yeah. just sit back and let everybody everybody else can have this big measuring contest right and like yep. pro, you know peacock around you know what you you can have so you can just live your life however you want look live. this
1: is one of the biggest problems i think that we're, ha- we're having in the world right now is you have i i think we have a male problem i think men have, are being incredibly weak uh And I think that it's in two ways. I think we actually have really, really weak men, you know, some of them, that's the problem. And then I think we have this other thing, like you just said, they're peacocking, right? I'm a lion and not a sheep, dog. And you're like, yo, dude. Uh, Like, I don't know. I tell this story. It was a couple of years ago. I walk onto my kid's lacrosse field, you know. I remember the Instagram post. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, you know, and <laughs> and this guy has a lion, not ha- not sheep hat. He's got a lion, not sheep shirt. He's got a lion, not sheep pair of shorts. And I like want to walk up to him and be like, "Yo, dude, can we just handle this? Because you're obviously a sheep, you know. You're obviously a, a sheep because you're screaming so hard that you're trying to be a lion. Lions don't say they're lions. Yeah, it's that simple. I don't yeah. know that I'm a lion, Brandon. You know, I, I, I really don't know." That's for everyone else to judge. That's, and I'm not really concerned with it. I'm concerned with my pursuit of what I think a man should be doing in the world. That's what I'm concerned with.
0: Yeah. So back to you though, with the fighting, Mm -hmm. you become this popular kid, but now you're you're chasing being a fighter. Yeah. Like, what was? How does life change there? Because were you going to go to college? Did you have thoughts on a career and all this other stuff? I went to college. Yeah.
1: I went to college the fr- my freshman year. I did the college thing. Um I, I did a little jujitsu, but I ran out of money. I got a girlfriend, right? I was getting laid for the first time. Uh, you know, so like, you know, other things fell off. Yeah, sure. Uh and then uh it's sophomore year rolls around, my girlfriend breaks up with me. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm sad, I'm depressed. I hear uh that a mall who I had met in a mall the year before, he had a he Oh, because he went to Colorado, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. He was teaching out of a karate school. I heard he had opened his own place. So I was like, you know what, man? Let me go see what I can do here. I was still broke. So I go down there and I'm like, hey, man, is there any way I can like trade, uh, clean the school and trade for my tuition? And he's like, man, it's your lucky day, Elliot, because my cleaner literally just quit two hours ago. Uh-huh. And then the rest is history, man. I fought in the UFC. No, (laughs) yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) I do like that on my show. Sometimes I'm like, so how was it being a fighter? And then they're just like, well, this, 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 and yeah, I'm in the UFC. I'm like, dude, there's like, there's hours and hours of 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 days and days of telling stories to get to that point. So like, what do you remember about the, the early part of that journey? Of like, So
1: look, this is 2000. So yeah. this is 2000, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools were way different than they are now. They were, we were still trying to prove the, the relevancy and the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu in America, and uh, they, were, they were intense, man. We fought. We fought hard. Uh, the reason I have a bald head is because everyone had a bald head back then because uh, hair grabbing in the school was fine. Uh and it was just a crew of us. Amal was still a purple belt. So my teacher, Amal Easton, was still a purple belt at the time. So he was still trying to get really, really good at jiu-jitsu. So like basically he would uh offer private lessons. Like he's like, yo, I'm gonna train right now. And I I, I have no clue, Brendan, how I how I uh, graduated from college because I never went to class. I <laughs> studied, I got a PhD in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. You're just obsessed with it. And then somehow I got lucky and got a college degree too. And my mom was okay with it all. Yeah. Were <laughs> you,
0: um, but you were already obsessed with martial arts, like going my there. whole life. Yeah. Were, were you surprised at how much more you could love Jiu-Jitsu and chase it like that? And, and how much, how big of a,
1: part of your life look for me what was happening was my girlfriend had broken up with me right and we all had this click and she had gotten a job at Chili's and could get all of us she was getting all of us drinks and we because we were only like 19 years old yeah so man the next thing I know I break up with my girlfriend I can't go to Chili's anymore but they're still all going to fucking Chili's and leave you know and I'm like god damn it so like I'm sitting you know so I I felt alone again and there it was Jujitsu was there. Jujitsu was there to hold me up. Right. You know. So I I I became very close, as everyone does, in my jujitsu school, with the people in it. You're just there all the time. So I built this network of a jujitsu community, and we trained all the time. Amal was constantly trying to get better. So he was, like I said, calling me and and the other you know core group of ten guys to come train, and yeah, I, I just went and trained all the time. And I got really, really good. Did you feel like you had things figured out back then? Because I think
0: the biggest thing about early twenties and out of college is just like, what do I do next? I don't. I I know the life I want to live. I knew but what I had was. No idea do. how to get there. But it sounds like you kind of had
1: it, like put together at least a little bit at that point. I had to graduate from college, or my mom was going to kill me. Yeah. Uh, so so that got done. But I knew I was going to fight you know, I knew I was going to fight in the UFC eventually. And, and the way I fought in the UFC was, you know, I was with well, the way I started fighting was I was working this job as a bartender and like, I'm sorry, I was probably as a, a bar, a, a front door guy at the time. Yeah. Um, and I came home from work and my wife she looks at me and goes, Hey, so this, this is really cool and all, but, uh, let's either fight and and or get a job because I was only competing at jujitsu and look, there were no uh there was no paid jujitsu gigs back then. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know? So I was like, okay, the next day I called the local promoter and I got a fight.
0: And and it was like, let's make this your job.
1: Yeah. Right. And that that became what I did. I, I chased it and I won the Ring of Fire Light Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I got onto the ultimate fighter. And then, and then from there, yeah, the rest is history. I got hooked up with Greg Jackson school before I got on the ultimate fighter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think even before I became the ring of fire champ, I did, uh, so, you know, I had Keith and Rashad and Nate Marquardt and Dwayne Ludwig and all these guys to like look up to. Yeah. What would you
0: tell yourself, um, the, the version of you that's coming up, trying to be a fighter
1: now, another fighter. You know, well, like, I don't, I think, don't believe you know? in going back and telling yourself anything Yeah, because then you won't end up at where you are now. Right. And of for course. me, look, when, I, when I look at it for me, uh, you can imagine a whole host of different lives, but what I can't imagine is two different kids.
0: How uh, would you describe the lessons that you learned on right. the way up?
1: The number one thing is to know who you are, know who you are as a fighter. Okay. Like everyone's always like work on your weaknesses. Uh, no. Yes and no. Blend your weaknesses with your strength is what I would say. And then uh, really, really, really know who you are as both a human and a fighter because you cannot separate the two. It's impossible. So uh, develop the mindset to uh, be really sure of yourself so that you can start to detach the work from the results. Yeah. Process based journey. Yeah. Journey. And I was not okay with Elliot, right? Like you got to remember I'm fighting for safety and security in the world, not money, right? Not money, not fame, not nothing. Safety and security in the world. I would have been better off fighting for fame and money because that's at least one step ahead of what on like our hierarchy of needs. That's, Mm -hmm. that's ahead of safety and security. So I'm fighting for this very, 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 very baseline thing. And if, that, if I couldn't do that, if I didn't do that, then who was I going to be in the world, right? How, how was I going to have friends? Like, man, I, and, I, and I still can struggle from this. I still, it still happens. Like if I, and it, not so much anymore because I've gotten super clear on some things, but uh, like when I would have a party at my house, even as an adult, I, like, you know, the party would be, you know, hey guys, everyone show up at three o'clock. And, you know, I have tons of friends now. And uh, at three o'clock, only assholes show up on time. Right, you always give the host. <laughs> yeah, you right. always give the host a little extra time to prepare. At three o'clock, I'm like looking out the window, like wondering if anybody's gonna come to my party because, you know, there's plenty of times as a kid that nobody came to my birthday party. Right. So, you know, uh, I'm fighting for these real, real baseline uh, needs. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Sorry, uh, and man, I wasn't the best, and I'm not the champion. But the but what held me back from being th- being that was also The thing that was the thing that i was chasing yeah
0: was it a the talents thing we heard about the 10 talents or or that sort of thing was it kind of like that me where it's like you're trying to grab on to what you have so tightly and just keep it instead of open yourself up i was so scared to to lose i was
1: so scared to lose yeah you know and you can go back and watch my fights you know you can see it uh there's only a couple instances where I'm not afraid to lose. You can see in the third round with Brandon Vera, for example. You know, uh, of my last fight ever. You yeah. Know? So, uh, yeah, that you know, I was so scared to lose because uh, who was going to like me if I wasn't if I if I couldn't win? And but that but that crushes you, right? You have to. That's not existing in the moment. That's that's looking that's looking dead in the eye at the result and only worrying about the result.
0: Yeah. Which is where... terrible um what were you thinking at 2008 you get into the ufc ultimate fighter finale 2009 get a couple of wins like mm-hmm. where's your mind at that point in terms of what let's you want to accomplish what what chart you think you're on
1: you know i was three and oh i was three and zero oh at one point in the ufc and i was like let's go here you know i'm gonna I, I could do this and uh be a champion I, lose, I can be a champion you know and then i, I lose one fight to vladimir match and i got released right there yeah that's odd I, because of the way I was fighting. Right. Did you I, know it I, at the time? How, how did you think at the a time? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You know, I knew it deep down inside. I didn't want to admit it. You know, I was running from it. I was like, no, no, we're good. We're winning, you know? All you got to do is win. You win, you move up.
0: What do you tell your young fighters now that you're coaching who do think winning is enough?
1: Uh, what do I tell them now?
0: I'll ask you this. Do you think winning is enough
1: these days? Is winning enough? No. No. I I am unconcerned with any... uh, I know you work for them. I am unconcerned with anything that the UFC is doing. And I do zero coaching based on what the UFC is doing. I could care less. Uh, We are trying to have skillful performances. Okay, We are trying to be the most skilled person that we can be in each and every moment. And worrying about the result again, right? Tying, tying yourself to that result becomes the problem. So cool. Let's go fight, right? What's the goal of, 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 of a prize fighter. Okay. It's to make money and win, win championships, right? That, that is the goal of prize fighting, you know? So what are we doing to to what, uh, how are we being skillful at those two things? So I, I literally don't care about the UFC. Um, and, uh, and I, I solely focus it so much on the individual, because if you because look what Dana White's going to do. How can anyone? Uh, and I'm not faulting him. I'm, I'm not faulting him for what he does at all here. But I can't control what Dana White's going to do, and neither can Drew Dober, and neither can Miranda Maverick. Right. Right. So they have zero control over what Dana's going to do. So if if they're constantly have this like, oh my god, Dana. Oh my god, Dana. Then they have a problem, right? Because Dana can just do whatever Dana wants. Dane, you know, when when the UFC sold, Dana got $400 million. Like, you know, like he can do what he wants. He's rich as hell. You know, he's the president of the UFC. He's got massive influence and power in the world. You can't focus on what Dana wants.
0: But it is also, I mean, you're you're correct, but also, uh, you can't really focus outwardly, right? And then in a sport this tough, to win is really tough. Mm-hmm. I think people take for granted like oh, you should win exciting. it's just like we got to acknowledge that number one winning is very, very hard and then if you I can imagine your coaching style is just like if you focus on how you win, you're in real
1: deep you're shit. in real trouble
0: yeah real trouble look uh but like the last is also the example. game it's also the game of if you win in this fashion, that's where the millions of dollars are. right. Yeah, for
1: sure, but look at Izzy's last fight, right? I really loved what his coach said afterwards. I'm in, I'm teaching them the skill of what, what Eugene said. I'm teaching them the skill of hit and not get hit, so that we can have long lives, right? You know that that's my coaching style too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. when when I think back and ask it, look, um, to be the most skillful does not mean you're 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 banging them out and trading. That that is not the most skill. That is very exciting for the fans. Right. Now has has Izzy had some exciting fights? Of course he has. The Gaslam fight, ridiculously exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh the wh- who else was it? The the what the, the the second the first Whitaker fight? Yes. Paulo Costa? Yes. Uh man, he's had some amazing fights, but everyone can't be like that. And he yeah. realizes that, right? He realizes that. So and I understand that, like, look, if you want to be considered and and this is where like the The trade-off is if you want to be considered the GOAT, like the middleweight GOAT, for example, you have to go do what Anderson did. Mm -hmm. Stop, dudes.
0: Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the Fitz Nation podcast in audio form. If you like the full uncut interview, you can head to Podcast Central at UFC Fight Pass. There's a bunch of different MMA podcasts there, and I am so proud to be one of them. And that Fitz Nation is on the UFC Fight Pass roster. So if you want more from this interview, you can head to UFC Fight Pass. You can also, of course. Head back through the archives. So many of these interviews are evergreen. Great looks at the lives and careers of these fighters we love to watch in the octagon. Get to know them on a whole different level through this podcast, one episode at a time. Special thanks again to Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Use the promo code FITS20. And of course, you can always track me down on social media. I am at Brent and Fitz TV on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I thank you again for listening, and I will talk to you next time on Fitz Nation.